Welcome to The Nourished Nervous System, an exploration of stress, the nervous system, and transformative self-care practices for parents and other humans through the lenses of Ayurveda, holistic coaching, somatic practices, herbs, and much, much more. I'm the host, Kristen Timchak, a holistic life coach, Ayurvedic educator, herbalist, and mother of a tiny human. Please join me for information, insight, deep thoughts, and small steps to help you nourish your nervous system. Hello, welcome or welcome back to the Nourish Nervous System. So this week, my son is on break from school for Thanksgiving. And so my time to work on a podcast episode is very limited. We're doing it during show times, which um, we do shows twice a week, which is both a limit for my son and for us. If you're a parent who uses a little bit of screen time, you know you know what I'm talking about. And so this felt like a good opportunity to do a short episode on parenting. And I am not a parenting coach or any type of expert on parenting. I worked with kids for a big chunk of my life. I started babysitting at 12 or 13 and taught in Montessori schools in my 20s and early 30s. I led outdoor ed programs and school gardens. I taught yoga to kids for about a decade. And I put on a couple school musicals. And all of this experience with kids did nothing to prepare me for having my own child. I mostly worked with elementary school age kids, so we'll see if when I get to that stage with my son, if I find parenting any easier. But so far, it has been hard. Like the most challenging inner growth and resilience work I have done in my life. And if you're a parent, you know the multiplicity of loving your child more than anything in the universe and also feeling like you are about to self-destruct with one more tantrum or super specific request. And it's really the multiplicity because as much as sometimes I feel like I am being pushed to my absolute limits, I wouldn't trade it in. Like I wouldn't trade the experience of the love and watching this little human develop and grow. It's like the most magical, amazing thing. And at the same time, totally maddening. And most parents that I talk to find parenting hard on some level. I occasionally meet a unicorn that seems to breeze through parenting with joy and energy and endless patience. And those folks are so special. I am not one of them. Parenting is hard. But what I've been thinking about a lot lately is that that is only one part of the sentence. That's an incomplete thought. The rest of the sentence may look like, parenting is hard in our society, or parenting is hard in isolation. Parenting is hard when you aren't resourced. Parenting is hard when you are healing intergenerational trauma. Parenting is hard when you are breaking cycles and doing things differently than you were parented. Parenting is hard when you're living with autoimmune disease or chronic illness. Parenting is hard in a capitalistic society. Parenting is hard when you live far from your family. Parenting is hard when you live close to your family but are parenting differently from them. There are so many ways to complete that sentence. And for me, it's helpful because it gives me perspective. I'm not failing because I can't do it all or because despite my best efforts, I still lose it with my son. 
there's a bigger cultural context for why it's so hard. There's an amazing book that a friend recommended to me when my son was two and I was starting to lose my mind called Hunt, Gather, Parent by, um, and hopefully I'm pronouncing her name correctly, Michaeline Duclef, who's an NPR reporter with a small child who was doing a story in a Mayan village in Mexico and notices how differently and more sanely children are parented there, which brings her to travel with her three-year-old daughter and spend time in different indigenous cultures to learn from them. The book is great with really practical, helpful advice and just the stories of being with these groups of people. And it also doesn't idealize that that way of life. It's also, I feel like, really rooted in reality and giving a, a transparent view. So one of the things that really clicked for me was that in all these cultures, there's a sense of community around parenting. The parents aren't the only adults in the children's daily life. They aren't doing all of this on their own. And a few days ago, this article popped up on my phone titled, Hunter-Gatherer Approach to Child Care Suggests that the Key to Mother and Child Well-Being May Be Many Caregivers. It's by the University of Cambridge. So it's about some research that's done by an evolutionary anthropologist at Cambridge University about what we can learn from parenting from contemporary hunter-gatherer cultures. I'm going to read a few sentences that stood out for me. Okay, so the first. For more than 95% of our evolutionary history, we lived as hunter-gatherers. Therefore, contemporary hunter-gatherer societies can offer clues as to whether there are certain child-rearing systems to which infants and their mothers may be psychologically adapted. Another one is that hunter-gatherer infants receive attentive care and physical contact for about nine hours per day from up to 15 different caregivers. That just kind of blew my mind. Here's another one. In... The new paper published in Developmental Psychology, the researchers say that children may be evolutionarily primed to expect exceptionally high levels of physical contact and care, as well as personal attention from several caregivers in addition to their biological parents. And this for me was like, it's like, well, well, of course, I experienced that with, with my child. It's like, but on some level, I can make it about me not being able to play enough or give enough attention, but it's just that it's not supposed to be me doing all of that. There's supposed to be, it's not that his needs are wrong. There's something missing in the ratio. Here's another one. The authors also point out that in Western societies, it's common for childcare to be used simply to allow parents to work, but insist that childcare needs to give parents an actual break. They argue that throughout human history and prehistory, parents have never been under the pressure they are now in they are, they are now in terms of lack of support. So it's like, well, duh. And also it's so affirming to have language put to the feelings I have as a parent that the way we are doing things is just not working. I often think about how in the modern household, we have two adults to do three or four jobs, especially when both parents are working to make ends meet. That's two jobs. And then taking care of a small child is another full-time job, as well as taking care of the home. It's actually kind of insane when you think about it. And then to actually be able to function well at any of these things, there needs to be time for self-care and alone time. 
The other part of this equation is that for many of us, we may have that feeling that living communally makes so much more sense on every level, but the realities of actually making that happen just feel completely out of reach. I feel this. I think I can have a certain type of idealization around living with a group of people and raising children together, but I'm not actually acculturated to that. So I wonder about the actual realities of what that would look like. Before children, I lived in many communal houses and shared living situations. But right now, I'm really enjoying having my own home. We spent the summer with my son's grandparents in Ohio as we were making our way across the country. And on one hand, it was so amazing. I felt so much less stressed with my son, Solan. It wasn't all on me. And his grandparents wanted to spend as much time with him as they could. So I really felt that that eased something in my connection with Solan. His father and I weren't the only people giving him everything. And at the same time, as sweet and generous as his grandparents are, I was really ready to leave and be in my own space. I don't know what the answers are. I had my son at 42, so I spent a good chunk of my adult life as an independent person. Even in relationships, I tended to have relationships that were spacious and independent. And in some ways, I've prided myself on my independence because it's a value that's dominant in our culture. And so having a child has been a really big adjustment. I think one of the hardest parts is not just the lack of alone time, but that all of my alone time means that someone else is taking care of my child. It's making me dig really deep into my people-pleasing tendencies and see how uncomfortable I am feeling like taking care of my son is my responsibility, and so I'm putting other people out when I'm not doing it. Even his father, who I know that it's also his responsibility to take care of the child, but there's so much cultural cues that it's my job. And so on an intellectual level, I know that that's not true, but people-pleasing isn't rational or logical. And I can see that maybe even my independence, like this feeling that if I can take care of myself, then I don't have to lean on other people and put them out in some ways, is some deep form of people-pleasing. I don't know. I'm not sure how to tackle the bigger questions of the structure of our society and capitalism, but I think for me, I'm curious about working on the parts of myself that are uncomfortable with interdependence. It seems to me that raising a child and maintaining sanity requires some level of interdependence. So I'm really working on asking for help and finding ways to connect with other parents and to do the things I need to do to take care of myself, even if it puts other people out. I'm definitely not a parenting coach. I'm just muddling along through this parenting thing, but I do know that my best parenting tool is a regulated nervous system, which is easier said than done, especially on these school vacation weeks when I'm answering upwards of 500 questions a day and being asked to play Paw Patrol every five minutes. I definitely have had some moments I am not proud of, but I'm also seeing a big difference in my resilience since I've started to really prioritize self-care. I'm not losing it as much, and when I do, I'm recovering more quickly. So a couple of years ago, when I was in the low of lows of my short parenting career, when I first got diagnosed with Hashimoto's and my mom passed, and I was so, so exhausted, I would think of my rage as this cliff I was walking along. 
And some days I was walking the edge of the cliff and the moment I would start to slide down the cliff, it was over. I was sliding and I could not get myself back to a regulated place. I was losing it over and over and over again. And it's like, once I lost it the first time, it just was so much easier to stay in that space. And so now that cliff is still there, but through all the work I've done, through all the self-care I've done, I feel like I've gotten a lot farther away from it. Like there's like this like wide path next to the cliff. And like the more that I'm regulated, the farther I'm away from that cliff edge. And through the resilience that I've built, if I do slide a little bit, if I get too close at some points and I slide, I have some tools to get me back up on stable ground more quickly. And this is also where listening to my body has become an invaluable tool. I can feel those first physical signs that I'm saturated. I know my cues that I'm becoming triggered. It happens physically, kind of before mentally. And more and more, I can deepen my breath or take a couple minutes to myself so I don't get too close to that cliff's edge. I really want to raise a securely attached child. I want to prioritize connection. And a part of this is doing my own inner work. Another part is being gentle with myself when I can't do it because the odds are stacked against us as parents in this world. But maybe if we start to do our work of normalizing interdependence, of acknowledging that we need each other, that for 95% of our evolutionary history, we've been living more communally. And even if we aren't living in this way, we can find ways to help and support each other. Maybe it will create a ripple and maybe there's something beautiful on the horizon that we haven't imagined yet. We've been living in this way for such a short time of history. So maybe this is just a little, a little blip and we might not see it in our lifetimes, but the work that we do is not in vain. There's no wasted effort. So recently I've been really loving this quote by Nikita Gill and it says, I will not give up the flowers in my heart for stones just because the world is a hard place. The world is only hard because it needs more flower-hearted people. And I've been thinking about how we all come into this world as flower-hearted people, but sometimes our families or life situations or the cultures we live in trample those flowers of our hearts. And so I've been thinking about this in parenting and how do I parent in a way that helps the flowers of my son's heart to grow and thrive and ultimately teaches him to tend his own heart flowers. And flowers don't need perfection to grow. It doesn't require me to be a martyr, quite the opposite. I need to model for him how I tend the flowers of my own heart. So yeah, this parenting thing is hard, but I think it's feeling hard because you care. It's hard because you're trying to do things differently It's hard because you're healing and growing and you're doing the best with the resource you have. With social media and the internet, we have both access to unlimited tools and resources and unlimited reminders of the ways we are seemingly falling short. But even the perfect seeming mom on Instagram is just longing for a connection. Okay, well, I think I've reached the time limit of things remaining somewhat quiet here, so I'm going to stop. I know that holidays are loaded times, especially Thanksgiving with its roots in colonization and especially this year with all that's happening in the world. But I hope you can find the small moments of joy and maybe a moment to tend the flowers in your heart. Thanks so much for listening and I'll be back next week. 
Hey there. Thanks so much for listening. I'm feeling slightly less awkward, but this podcast thing is still a big learning curve. So I appreciate you staying tuned as I learn. If you are enjoying the podcast, please rate and review. It helps me get seen by people besides my friends. And if you are not enjoying the podcast, I hope you're not still listening because life is way too short to listen to podcasts you don't like.